We're back. Episode 376. Hello. Woo! How you hello, doing? Hello, hello. I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I feel rested. Do you? I do, actually. You didn't stay up all night on Poshmark again? Thank God I didn't. <laughs> I put myself to bed. I was so tired from doing that for like the last three nights. There's nothing I- more annoying than when you start listing stuff on Poshmark. Oh, for me? Let's yes! Know- Why? Because it um, announces each item on Twitter. Oh, you know what? It doesn't announce each item because I choose which ones it announces. So it announced it like 10. But really there were like 40 in there. Because the peeps got to know, man. I got good shit to sell. I mean, I got to. Visit my store. I'm Sarah Rice. I got to say I don't love it. I don't love it. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? And it's like the only time I'm ever on Twitter because it's like an automatic That's why it annoys me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're, like, exploiting our goodwill. Oh, my God. You are. I'm like, maybe she could tweet every once in a while. Yeah, How that's about true. that idea? Well, because I save all my good stuff to talk about for the podcast. hmm And I got good stuff today, man. Can't wait. So, first I want to uh, share, have you seen... Oh, my God, they're like, what do I even start with? Have you seen, or I shouldn't even say seen, heard the new lyrics to Baby It's Cold Outside? <laughs> no. Oh my God, Suze! Like I thought you'd be like on the up and up on this. No, I like the old lyrics. Okay, so uh, <laughs> a lot of people didn't. Yeah, including Kelly Clarkson and John Legend. Mm-hmm. So Kelly Clarkson and John Legend remade that song with new lyrics, and you know I'm all for like being you know, getting consent and all those things. But this is like overkill. I oh, feel like no. they Yeah. Do you See? want to hear some of the lyrics? Yeah. I thought you would. Okay. Um okay, so we classic opening, really can't stay, baby it's cold outside. I've gotta go away. And then he says, but I can call you a ride. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the evening has been. I'm so glad you dropped in. So very nice. Time spent with you is paradise. My mother will start to worry. I'll call the car and tell them to hurry. Mm-hmm. My daddy will be pacing the floor. Wait, what are you still living at home for? <laughs> All right, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny, right? Yeah. So, uh, so really, I better scurry. Your driver, his name is Murray. Oh, boy. <laughs> Right? And, like, maybe it sounds better when, like, I don't just say it and they sing it. <laughs> I don't think so. There's no way you can make but, Murray cool. Um, okay, so then, like, we go to, like, down more to, like, the second verse where she says, I simply should go. And then he says, text me when you get home. Nope. And then she says, oh, I'm supposed to say no. And he says, mm, I, guess, I guess that's respectable. Oh, for Pete's sake. For Pete's sake! No. I thought you would feel like this. <laughs> This, do you feel like this? Oh, y- yes, Sue. Yeah, yeah. Then it gets worse. Oh, my God. I don't even know which one is. See, this is the trouble with all these the this politically is. correct stuff. We should just keep, I mean, like, we need to understand that, like, yes, we can. We, we need to, like, do better. But I don't think we need to, like, erase the past and, and like, no. give a fresh. No, because this, Ugh. to me, feels like um, you're, it's like you're creating... A spectacle instead Correct. of fixing the actual problem. Mm-hmm. You know, just let's all song. sing the original lyrics, but like stop raping people. How about that? Yes, thank you. And like talk about it. Right. <laughs> you know what? And then this like bugs me because 
this song people want to like get up in arms about because like it's just a song and yeah. we don't have any like real emotional connection exactly. to it like that. But nobody's saying shit about Beauty and the Beast and that's like <laughs> that's always the one I go back to. I'm like that was an abusive relationship. People <laughs> wake up and we're like no problem with that. Gosh. In I, fact, let's make a live action. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come let's on. perpetuate the narrative. Yes. So I have a problem with that. Um, and then what is the other line that's really funny? Um, my gossipy neighbors for sure. Uh, and then he says, I'm a genie. Tell me what your wish is. And then she says, maybe just a cigarette more. And then he says, oh, that's something we should probably explore. What? As in like, oh, you smoke? We should explore this. So now he's Jesus being judgy Christ. of her coping strategies <laughs> coping maladaptive strategies. i i will agree be that but, as it may <laughs> but yeah right i'm like this guy's like you know now who now oh okay now that i've kind of like thought about this he sounds a little controlling oh yeah. he's calling the uber oh he's checking the name of everything oh he's telling her that maybe we should explore how you smoke cigarettes that kind of sounds like he like it's subtle power play right in there yeah that's what I, it's like uh, like paternalism. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Nope. John, Should've sexiest just left, man alive, my ass. Should have just left it. Oh my <laughs> god. Just left it. But it's it feels like I've been like oh my god. So many of my stories today have to do with this kind of subject matter. Like one of the uh, I read this a while ago and been meaning to bring it up on here. Um, but Pharrell did an interview with GQ magazine. Did you hear about this? No. So he did an interview a few months ago with GQ that I really liked, where he talked about how he feels about the song Blurred Lines. Okay. What did he say? He said, you know, it was really great because he was talking about how, you know, he kind of has to look back at the music he's, he's, some of the music he's made and say, you know, he's kind of, uh, he said, one of his quotes was, I get embarrassed by some of that stuff. Um, I would never write or sing it today. It just took a lot of time and growth to get out of that place. Yeah. So he, which that's how we, that's how you should handle it. Be like, kind of like, learn. Yes. And look back. And then, you know, if you want to say something about that and how it's like, how you feel about it now. Yeah. But he, he, it was a really great article. And he said that after the GQ or after the GQ movement, that's the art, that's the, that's the <laughs> magazine it was in. Yeah. After the Me Too movement, <laughs> he just spent a lot of time kind of thinking about this stuff. And he realized like, you know, he, he had said that like, he didn't really get it at first. Yeah. And because everybody was dancing to it, everybody, it was like not a big deal. But when he really looked at the late, at the lyrics he realized that, and this is his quote, he said, I realize that there are men who use that same language when taking advantage mm. of a woman, yeah. and it doesn't matter that, it, that, that it's not my behavior or the way I think about things. It just matters how it affects women. And I was like, got it, get it, cool. My mind was opened up to what, it actually, what was actually being said in the song and how it could make someone feel. Yeah. That is Great. so... Great. I realized that we live in a chauvinistic culture in our country. He said, I hadn't realized that. I didn't realize that some of my songs catered to that. So that blew mm. my mind. Mm. And I just love that he's saying that and like from a humble place. Yeah. And from a place where he's like, I didn't know. He's not getting defensive. Yeah. He it's, was just introspective and now he's adjusted. Yes, That's all I you really, can ask of anybody. Yes. And I just like that. And I feel like more. Believe me, as somebody who said on national television about gay people, love the sin or hate the sin, I know firsthand 
uh, what it's like to evolve over time and regret things you say. Oh God, that is so, so difficult. Do you still get people who kind of talk to you about that or bring it up? No, it was so long ago. And you know, those episodes are just like in some vault somewhere, but I mean, I think about it a lot and how embarrassing that is. But I was 18, and that's what yeah. I thought at the time, and now I don't. Yeah, and we can't, like, be, you, yeah, you can't, I, I mean, like, you have to look back at that and think, like, I'm not going to judge myself for it. Well, I'm going to. it could have been worse. Right, right. And look at it as growth and, yeah. like, rather than, you Do know. Do you have be- anything that you said on TV where you're like, oh, I wouldn't oh, say that God. now? I'm trying to remember. Not really. Mm-hmm. I... Nothing sticks out. I mean, if anything, I probably should have said more. (laughs) (laughs) Just to like other, I just like didn't, you know, I I didn't pick fights or I didn't, I was just like, yeah, I kind of like let people. Yeah, right, right, right. Do it to me, you know? Yeah. Like with Katie. Remember when Katie had the plunger thing and she like came (laughs) at me? That was super funny. I was so funny. (laughs) I mean, it was funny. And then I get in trouble. This is, this is classic Sarah. (laughs) Don't right. do the cry, but don't do the thing, but get in trouble for laughing. Oh yeah, at. right. That is my that is my thing. That's your signature move. <laughs> signature move, and I'm the one who gets in trouble for it. Yes. This oh this has happened before. When I was in, I've only had one <laughs> referral in my whole life. Like what sent do you to mean the principal's referral? office. Oh, okay, do you okay. ever get those when you were little? Oh like, yeah. Not, did you get them? But of did they, you have them? Yes. Yes. And, and I got them. Ooh, you got one. What did you get one for? I was always in trouble. What? <laughs> I mean, th- I shouldn't say, this shouldn't surprise me, but like for some reason, I just like can't picture. Nah, I, yeah. No, See, I, I did I not I picture care. you as the one who's doing the naughty thing and then like somebody like me who's like laughing at it and then I get in trouble <laughs> and somehow you get away with it. True, true. Give I me like one, give me an example of something you got a referral for. Like I just didn't care and my parents didn't care if I oh. got in trouble. So there were just yeah. no consequences. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, you're like the youngest. I There's was very like- silly. I was always skipping class. <laughs> I didn't care about grades. This <laughs> is <just> so funny <laughs> to me. But I was also Susie's like the inner principal. leather jacket, flicking no. a cigarette <laughs> yeah, under like the, the playground. <laughs> Hey, no, I was yes, also on a- the uh, principal advisory committee, though. So it was like this weird balance of oh my naughty God. and nice. That's funny. Yeah. You know what? That makes sense for you. Yes, thank you. But That's, yeah, I you got that. in trouble one time. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, one time sent to the principal's office. Well, actually, I was sent to the principal's office twice. Once was just for crying in the bathroom. When I was going through some shit, and it's not even fair that they sent me, and they should have had a school counselor Why step in and be like... Why would you in trouble for that? Because the yard duty was a B-I-T-C-A. <laughs> was her name Linda? No. Uh, uh, oh, my God. What if it were? It, it might be something like Linda. Oh, what was it? Oh, Mrs. Mrs. It was Helen. Oh, I can't remember. Something that started with an F, I'll remember. Um, well, wait. Something oh, Miss Spear. Something that starts with a B is no. Brooklyn. In. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, talk about that. Take me down a notch, would you? Take ya? me down a notch. And Brooklyn in creates beautiful textiles for your home. Uh, I just wanted to sound fancy. But there are sheets and towels and beautiful stuff for your house. But the sheets are so soft. Tons of different colors. You can buy them um, a la carte so you can mix and match the different colors if you want to make something interesting. And they skip the middleman, so they're affordable, but they're the same 
quality that you would get in a fancy hotel. And Sarah knows firsthand these are the real deal. Yes. She's sleeping on these babies every night. I sure do. And it's a good time to get new sheets because it's the holiday season. You're probably going to have guests, all that stuff. And if you like softness and comfort and essentials to help you relax, Brooklinen has it all. Brooklinen.com is having their biggest sale ever, and it's happening right now for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Brooklinen Mm. is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get access to their biggest event ever and free shipping is to go Mm. to brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com before December 3rd. And if you're just hearing this, it's... And it's post Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You can still use the promo code BRAIN at brooklinen.com for 10% off and free shipping anytime. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Okay, go ahead. Yard duty. Oh, yeah. Oh, Miss Spear. That was her name. <laughs> Miss like Spear. Isn't that an appropriate name? Yes. For, yep. Spear. Ugh, <laughs> she was awful. She had a real bad blonde perm. Oh, man. And she got mad at me for crying in the bathroom. That's it was really a really strange. tough time in my life. I'm so sorry. She should have, like, anyways, that's not even what I, but I didn't get a referral for that. She just sent me the principal's office. Uh, Because I wasn't allowed to be in the restroom, and she can fucking can it. Uh, (laughs) Do you like how I spelled B I T C H, but then it's just like, fuck you. Fuck it. God, I know. Whatever. So, my actual referral we were on a bus, we were on a field trip to Mm -hmm. some museum, and I was getting real rowdy. And, well, everybody on the bus was getting rowdy, and they were throwing paper airplanes. And I was like, ooh, this is fun. So I was, like, making paper airplanes, and the boys were throwing them. And I was, like, totally, you know, like, boy crazy and girl crazy. I was just like, you know, I told you, kissing bandit. I was like, hmm, everybody Kissing bandit. Um, So I was, like, laughing at the boys because I'm like, ooh, you're so cute. And they are throwing paper airplanes. The teacher tells us to stop. We do not stop. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, cra- I'm cracking up in the back because I think it's so funny. Yes. The bus driver pulls the bus over, oh, no. gets up, comes to the back, and because I'm the one making all the noise, and I'm like laughing real loud, and all the boys just like hide and put their uh, you know paper airplanes under their seat and everything, and I just like can't stop laughing. And so he comes back and yells at me, and then the pr- the teacher was like, "When we get back to school, you're getting a referral," and I got a referral, and nobody else got one. Why? I know that's I'm like pissed about it still. Yeah, that's terrible. I hate those injustices. I was just like I wouldn't stop. I guess <laughs> I couldn't. I was laughing. Well, and here's the other thing: I, when I get nervous and embarrassed, I laugh. So yeah. I think I may have got myself in trouble sometimes when I had like incongruent affect as a child, mm-hmm. and my defense mechanism was just laughing. Ha! <sighs> you know. Yeah, and, and nobody likes to be, it. like, when a child laughs at an adult, it really is not fun when you're oh, the adult. that was what was going on. And yeah. then this guy feels, so, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's, this is a bus driver. He's, yeah. like, on his, oh, my God, you're so right, Suze. But I, I feel like I, other he, people should have gotten in trouble, too. I agree. I don't think the boys ever got in trouble for that. They're like, it's one of those, oh, that's like boys are going to throw paper airplanes, but you need to be a proper lady. Oh, my God, right? Boys will be boys. Yeah, I think it might have been one of those kind of things. Yeah. Oh, gross. I can't believe it was only one time, though. That's hilarious. That I got in trouble? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, I was so well behaved. I never did anything wrong. I was like... You know, plus I had so much childhood trauma that I was, like, dealing with yeah. that I felt like every every year there was something where I ended up having to go to, like, 
you know, when I, I mean, this wasn't trauma. This was just like regular being a kid. But like I broke my arm in second grade, so I couldn't go out at recess. Right. With, like play with all the other kids. So like can't get in trouble there. And I was like hanging out with the teacher. Have we established that you have brittle bones? Or is that just uh, my y- theory? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, right. So what do they say? I, what do they say about you? So, I mean, I've had the bone density test done that says, like, it's okay, but I do have pretty, I mean, they do. My friend who's a nurse, I think she's a nurse, so now she might be a doctor. I, well, I can't remember what she does, but she works in the medical field. What are they called? Physician assistants? I yeah. think she's one of those. I she's one those. of those. And, yeah, the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like doctors with bedside manner. It's yes, amazing. Yes, that is what they are like. A hundred percent. All the good stuff, none of the bad. Right. Uh, pay them more, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Give them a longer coat, whatever you do. Um, <laughs> right? A longer coat. I feel like that's how they separate them. What is the length of your coat? Um, and okay, so my friend who has this job, uh, she, when I posted the picture of my foot, the x ray of my foot after yes. my hula hooping accident, yes. she was like, that's a problem. She's like, your foot should not have splintered like that. Wow. Why did it do that? And yeah, so. What do you think? You like, have just sure like osteoporosis calcium. or something? Well, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't run in my family, but I think I'm good. Every time I say that doesn't run in my family, I always afterwards want to say, well, nobody runs in my family. But <laughs> That's a good I just think it's a funny joke. I'm it is true. That. Nobody does run in my family. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. But yes, brittle bones. What were we talking about before this? Oh, oh, yes. Having to be inside when I was a kid. So I stayed inside in second grade, like, you know, didn't go out and play. And then in third grade, I was uh, uh, sexually abused by a daycare worker, which made me really not okay going outside. And so I, they put me in uh, at recess because, like, I didn't feel comfortable at playing outside with the kids. Yeah. I was in a program where I did, like, a kind of like a buddy program. Oh God, this is what they do with the freaking loser kids. Ugh. <laughs> I was in a buddy program what? with like the kindergartners. Oh Lord. Where they like send me to play with the kindergartners because like, which is... Why? Like, Why like, you? I was not okay. Like I was... How is that going to help you though? I don't know. I think they were just trying anything. And then oh, it was just uncomfortable for me to be like outside, like... I have no idea why they thought this was... They had some, a lot of ideas that... Like, I don't really have an understanding of why they did these things to me. But, like, I also was put it's not in... funny, but it is. I know, right? I'm, like, thinking about it, I'm like, why? It, I don't know what this is. Um, and then they put me in a speed reading class. Like, it was like, no, okay, instead of going out at, you know, recess, here you can take this. They offered, like, Boy, somebody who'd come weird. to the school and, and teach you speed reading. And so I went to the, these, like, it was for, like, six weeks or whatever, or however long it was. And at lunchtime, you just go and you, like, learn how to read fast. That and it's really just so flashing odd. words in front of you. I think they were just, like, doing experiments and, like, they're, like, sign this kid up. Because <laughs> now that I think back, I'm like, that is doing stuff we were doing. experiments. Who knows? You were like, part of, like, been... a secret government. Yeah. Oh, my God. What if? <laughs> what do they call those people? There's, like, a name for that. But people believe that, like. Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears were like, yeah. you know, like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, what is that called? That's funny. What if I was? And then, they, I, like, I have, like, a weird memory of it. They were supposed to, like, wipe my memory, but they yeah, couldn't get right. rid of all of it. And I was like, I remember going to these. But for real, it was like a person with a laser, like a, um, you know, one of those little, like, 
like click through the slides kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they would just like flash words and we would have to like read them really, really fast. Really, it's just yeah, word I, recognition. Yeah, I did that too, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So Wait, I was in You're the in same it too. Study. Oh my yeah. God, this makes so much sense. Oh my God. What if? Oh, another thing that makes sense is shopping for your clothes on Just Fab. Oh, I love it. Sarah's I just ordered more stuff. Addicted. What else did you get? I got. I ordered the snakeskin boots. Oh my god! I went oh, crazy those for are animal really, print. Really I cute. also got a snakeskin dress that's like a short dress, which I won't wear with the snakeskin boots because that's overkill. Duh! I know that. But <laughs> <laughs> I was good looking thing at I have their boots. High boots. They have really cute, really cute shoes. Their boots are were on sale for ten dollars a piece. Yes, right. Come on. It's very affordable, and they have really cute styles that are always changing, and they try to personalize it for you, so you just take, like, a 60-second style quiz, and they come up with all these outfits. You'll love them all, which is, like, the worst, because then you want to buy everything. That is so true. It's, like, a personalized boutique for you, and like I said, it's so affordable, and just, I love that they're always changing the styles, so you can go back and see what's new, and they love us, and they gave you guys a deal JustFab is offering our listeners an exclusive deal. Get your first JustFab style for as low as 10 bucks as a VIP, 75% off your first item with our special link. Just go to JustFab.com slash BrainCandy to take advantage of the deal. That's JustFab.com slash BrainCandy to get your first style for as low as $10 as a VIP. You can also get free shipping on orders over $39, and there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. JustFab.com slash BrainCandy. Yes. Mm, All right, Suze. Yeah. Moving on. Moving moving on. Unless you have any more stories of getting in trouble. <laughs> I have lots, but okay. the the moral of the story is don't be like me. And kind of don't be like me either. Yeah, be better than us. Be, be, learn from us. Be best. We were children, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Well, and I went to a way. private school, and everyone was rich except me. And Oh, that's, so that's hard. I was acting out. You know how that goes. Did you, were you like really aware that you, that there was like a, a, yeah. a yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, it was unmistakable. These people were wealthy. Oh my God. And that must have been so hard. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, it was just evident that I was really not. And like my mom, volu- the thing that it was the worst was when my mom volunteered to help on field day and she came, pulled mm. up in our 1990. No, Susie, this is like out of a movie. It really was. It was a, the color of the vehicle was like blueberry blue. And it was like a 1972 Chevy Impala that truly is like the size of the Titanic. Just enormous. And it would stall at every red light. Oh my God, I knew it was, because in my head I was like, I pictured it like not turning on, right? Or like a puff of smoke coming out of the back and your head is like buried in your lap. In the back, back, back seat because that's where you have to sit because you're like the last child. Yeah, it was oh, really Suze. unpleasant. And you just walk out like with your head like hanging and like dragging your backpack behind you like a Nobody cartoon. Nobody was mean about it though. Everyone laughed and like, that's, but not in a mean way. Like that's surprising. See, I wonder if it would. You think it would be like that now? Yeah, maybe at like you know Christian schools. I think oh. they really emphasize. Just oh, they're like, and... oh, look at she's the po- she's like the poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Jesus says we're supposed to help Jesus. them. She's like a project for us. Yeah, they oh. were all real nice about it. Okay, well, that's like the best place for 
Yeah. Because it was not like that when I came to the Orange County High School. No, I'm sure. And, I'm sure uh, that was worse. my mom had the rule of, if you want a car, you have to buy it. And everybody else's parents were oh, like, God. oh, you turned 16? Here's a BMW. Yeah. And, oh, man, it was so embarrassing. I thought my car was so cool, and it got I got made fun of so much for that You know thing. what? They should be embarrassed because... They should. I mean, that's lame. Yeah, well, not, they don't have work ethic now, so it's fine. Right, it all it's comes out. It's fucking true. Mm-hmm. It really is. That's like a real big thing. Ugh, anywho. Anywho. What else Okay, so let's hear some happier stories. Okay. Um, do you want to hear mm-hmm. about a another animal that traveled many miles to reunite with their owner? <laughs> okay. Or do you want to hear about a new uh, NASA's latest invention Ooh. that we may or may not need? We don't need. Uh, we'll go with NASA. Oh, okay. So, Suze. Yes. Imagine you're on the space station and you're like, been up there for a while. I feel like mm-hmm. I know what this is because I have something in my notes about NASA. Okay. I can't wait for this. I okay. hope it's <laughs> And you're like, man, I really miss home. You know what would be really nice right now? <laughs> Some of like the, the comforts of, of yes. being at home. Like like maybe a nice, warm, freshly baked chocolate chip cookie. Oh, that is not on my notes. Well, don't worry. NASA's got you covered because Funny. they've just invented the first oven in space wow. that ba- only bakes cookies. Really? Did we need this? <laughs> did we? Yeah, why did they make it? I mean, I'm not... I, I, I mean, I love a good cookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm also for uh, uh, making the environment as comfortable and, and yeah. like, you know, because that would be insane. Every now and then I have nightmare, like this yeah. re- reoccurring nightmare where I'm in space and I feel like panicky because I'm like, oh my God, we should not be up here. And yeah, like, then that. there's like an accident that happens and I have to like take my helmet off. <laughs> it's terrifying. Ridiculous. I don't know. I've had this dream like three times where like, I don't know, I must have watched the movie like Interstellar or or, some, or like Gravity a couple times, but holy crap, it terrifies me. But anyways. But a uh, cookie could help you if you were in that A position. cookie could help me. So I, I guess NASA said in the description of the experiment, crew members may experience psychological and physiological benefits from eating flavorful cooked meals. Oh, that's nice. So they designed an oven to bake in zero gravity. But wow. this was the crazy part. So I was, I was listening to another podcast that was talking about this, and they were saying that the biggest problem, the reason why they never did this before, was that crumbs in space yes, are a real issue. a real what? issue. I was reading about that. Tell me what you read, because I just had, somebody just mentioned it, and then it made me like, <laughs> I don't even remember what the rest of the, the podcast was about, because then I just couldn't stop thinking about crumbs yeah, basically, if you get crumbs up there, oh there's God. just no way. It's basically like the equivalent of glitter. <gasps> I, oh, my God. Susie, I was just about to say, imagine glitter. Yes. That would be a nightmare. Which, by the way, as an it aside. It would take down the whole spaceship. This morning, I went to our P.O. box, and there yeah. was a package for us, and it was not a nice package, Sarah. What? It was. Covered in glitter? It was covered in glitter. It was like a glitter bomb. <gasps> and it was a bag of dicks. You know how you can order that for someone? What? Yeah, you know how you, you, it's like a prank thing. But Who did this to you? I don't know. There was no... Susie. And it was addressed to Susan and Sarah. What? Yes. That's... That's... That's personal. Who... <laughs> 
<laughs> now, you know when they say now it's personal? Yeah. That this is that. Do you, so here's my thing. Oh, we need to. Why did you wait so long to. I, I think I blocked it out because I was so. I was really kind of baffled by it and kind okay. of upset. Okay. Now. I have now. I have to go through my messages because a while back yeah. I did get a few messages of people who were like, "Hey, do you know this is yes. a thing you could send?" So now those people are looking like our number one suspects. Well, and they maybe they don't know that when you send the bag of dicks, it comes covered in glitter. Do they? Oh, that's so, okay. what I'm thinking. So tell me, explain to me how the packaging. I need to know everything okay. about this because this is my new. This is now my my okay. my. I need so to figure this out. On the outside, like I said, it was addressed to Susan and Sarah, which was weird. And the return address, it didn't say like bag of dicks or anything. I think it said. Oh my God. I think it said OBD or something like that. Yeah. And I thought okay. it was a CBD product. Oh, all right. And then when I opened it, I peeked in, and there was just glitter everywhere. Oh. No. So it was loose? Yeah, the glitter. Oh, that's a nightmare. (laughs) It was. So the company packages it like that? Yes. Oh, BD. (laughs) (laughs) So then I thought, well, I want to see what this is, but I don't want to dump it out. So I kind of like gingerly reached in and just grabbed this little note card and it just said 20% off bag of dicks. Get the fuck out. (laughs) This is cuckoo crazy. And then inside the envelope was a pack, clearly, of gummy dicks. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So okay. somebody might have sent it thinking this is just funny bag of yeah, dicks and not new. I'm sure no. that was it. Okay. I'm sure that was it. Because the person who sent it might be listening right now. And now they're like, no. <laughs> right? Okay, hang on. I'm going to look in my... Okay, let me look. Just... Yeah. Oh, that's a weird yeah. thing to just put in your search. You search <laughs> like that. Okay. How do you even look? I don't even. You know can search your messages. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta do that because they're definitely somebody definitely sent me that. I'm gonna have to go back in well, the archives. And then I just had Adam take it into the garbage, so I should pull it back out and do some more investigation. Absolutely. Okay. And if anything, just you know, pop one of those dicks in your mouth and give it to. <laughs> I just really wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh so maybe that's God. why glitter's on my brain and it made me think of that when you said wow. about the crumbs in space. Yeah. Oh, right, right. I'm like, I forgot well, about crumbs in space because this is <laughs> right, way this more, is more pressing. serious. Well, the article that I had read was about how they sent a, a case of wine to space, which what? when you said comforts at home, I thought I was on the same page they as They sent, wow. Okay. That's crazy because it's very heavy. Yes. They and, wanted to see if like wow. the zero gravity or they called it microgravity oh, affected the, I don't know, what do they call that? Germination or the maturation oh. of wine. Oh. Oh, like for science. I'm into that. Yeah. And, and also maybe for drinking. Yeah. Consumerism. I don't know. It's called the Vitus Vinum in Spatium Experimentia. <laughs> <laughs> it's for real. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> right. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and, uh, but they also included in the uh, article some examples of times when astronauts actually did take w- wine to drink in space, which I would be all for. Um, particularly, like, also Russians took vodka. And um, so oh, sometimes yeah, people have been ha- imbibing in uh, space. Could you imagine? Uh, oh, I wonder... Yeah, I wonder too. 
What are you going to say? Like how it would affect you in yep. space. Yeah. I was like, do you get drunk faster? Yeah, I well, bet you do. I bet you do too. I don't know why that is, but I would it imagine. Seems like you would also be dehydrated in space more <gasps> often. Like they probably why? have to really be on top of that. I don't know. Why just do you think seems, that is? Just because the conditions seem more stressful. I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I would imagine there's something about like zero gravity and like your blood and everything kind of like floating around in there instead of like resting. Does that, that, is that a thing? No. I don't know. Okay, so like, you know, when you go on a roller coaster and you get that feeling in your stomach that's like yes. butterfly? Yeah. So I heard that that feeling comes from blood in your body moving real fast from yeah. one place to yeah. another. Yeah. And so if, if in, with that in mind, we can imagine that blood is like resting in one place when we're vertical. Yeah. And then it moves when we change positions or like when, you know, all of a sudden we drop and then it comes back. So if you're always in like a zero gravity thing, like it would be kind of like floating around. And I don't know, you know how they like say like carbonation speeds up? Yeah. So like maybe that, maybe it does it yeah, too. Yeah, I think we're like, on to something. I think so too. Well, hmm. I, one thing that they have trouble with in space is um, going to the bathroom. You know, it's a real production. It sure is. But on Earth, you can use your Omigo toilet seat, and it's no oh. problemo. Now is the time of the year to hop on buying one of those so that you can get your Christmas shopping done for the dudes in your life or oh women God, who yes. are stinky. Yes, I am so for this. Like, the rest of the world is already on the bidet train. I don't know why right. the U.S. is so behind on the that. The rest of the world probably has bidets on trains. <laughs> right. And let's be honest, cleaning with TP is outdated. It's kind of gross. And so Omega was like, I know. We'll make a really cool toilet seat that's a bidet. It washes you perfectly every time. And you have better hygiene. You don't have to waste paper and hurt the um, environment. And it has, like, temperature control, so it's nice and warm. There's an odorizer thingy that keeps everything fresh. It's super easy to install as well. You don't have to get a plumber or anything like that. It's just really cool. And they have a new one called the Element that's the newest one oh, from Omigo, oh. and it starts at just 69 bucks. What? I know. Right? Well, damn, it's time. Yeah. For better health and hygiene, stop wiping and start washing right now. Get 10% off your order when you go to myomigo.com slash brain candy. Go to myomigo.com slash brain candy to get 10% off the toilet seat day. I love it. 10% off. That's amazing. What a good deal. Yeah, and I got one for my sister. We gave one to Emily. They're great. I have used them, and they are wonderful, and they make your butt happy. Oh, my God. And that is the best thing to be happy. One of those, if your butt's happy, the rest of you is. I mean, that's actually true. I bet it cuts down other stuff, like, you know, like, like, you know, the area health. Absolutely. Because, like, for real. Yeah. It's, like, gross. Oh, my God. There's a person on the challenge who will remain nameless. Mm -hmm. But Kara and I always used to laugh because it was one of those situations where sometimes, I know, sometimes in the house, the toilets are almost, like, right out in the open, depending on the layout. And so we were always going to the bathroom in front of each other, and we discovered that she wiped uh, back <gasps> no. to front. No, 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 no. <laughs> so whatever Well, you we... know what that is? Yeah. That's, to me... She wasn't I am, that I'm sad by that. Oh, really? Because that means that someone in her life failed to... Yeah, for sure. ...give her that lesson, 
and to, it almost like falls in the category of like neglect. Oh, like, or maybe she's the, just got bad hygiene, or like doesn't give a fuck. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. I but we were just sort of like, a, yikes. Should we tell her? <laughs> yes. Do you, you think? should. Yeah. But then it's she'd be like, "Why were you watching me wipe?" <laughs> oh God. Well, I would say I would like go in like curious, like. Yeah. So you know, like, man, those like. Yeast infections are the worst, right? <laughs> like bacterial infections are the worst, right? You would never want. Do you yeah, get those, those UTIs, right? Yeah, UTI. Yeah, be like that. And she, mm-hmm. man, I get those all the time. And then kind of do it like, yeah, you know, I remember seeing this thing that was really important and like having to like do it more like that. I don't think I could do it. Oh, yeah, that's that's why you're not a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm a therapist. <laughs> I you just, get really good at teaching people things in like a It's most sort of like telling way. someone they have bad breath. There's almost no way to do oh it without God. embarrassing them. Yeah, we've definitely been down this road. Yeah. <laughs> bad breath thing. Right, because if yes. it's like food related or onions or something, okay. Yeah. But if it's like oh bacteria, God. how do you break that to somebody? God, that is hard. Remember when I had to do that to someone in my family? Yep. That was oh not fun. My God. Yeah, that's really tough. The breath one. I, de- you know, I feel like that, like I have a, it's funny, I have a rule where like when I'm close to people, I de- there's definitely a point in the relationship where I say, okay, here's the rule. If you ever see something <laughs> caught in my teeth or if yeah. you see like lips, you tell me. For sure. Yeah. My aunt and I set that rule for each other and now we always like tell each other when we have food in our teeth. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really like nice no to big be- whoop. Yeah, I told Ren that too. I was like, oh, we're about to dive into some tabbouleh. Here's the thing, dangerous. <laughs> so you better tell me because... Yeah, just be like, you got something cooking in there. Yeah. No biggie. I need to know that. When I was in uh, high school, I was so like, oh, just felt judged so much. It was when it was when I changed to the new school that, you know, where they had the BMWs and everything and I felt like I wasn't cool enough. And... Uh, <laughs> I got so nervous, like, after lunch that, you know, I would have something in my teeth. I had a Spanish class after lunch, and in the Spanish class, we got five, at the beginning of the year, we got five, or semester, or whatever it was, five passes to the, like, hall passes to the bathroom or whatever. Um, which now looking back is, like, weird, because, like, if you have to go, you have to go. Absolutely. But that's silly that they, like, do that. But it's for people like me who abuse the system because <laughs> I just want to check my teeth. I used every single one of those passes in the first two weeks. Sarah, because I was why like, I think I have something. I should have just kept. Yeah, that that would have been the obvious thing. But then I think I was probably embarrassed about checking my teeth. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Weird things privacy. like that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I was just so concerned with the thoughts of others and how they thought about me that I it was just like crippling. Oh, and I didn't learn sad. a GD thing in that class because I was too. There must have been somebody in that class that was really judgy. Yeah. There's like a reason for that, why it was that class, you know, not just because it was after I wonder lunch. why the teeth thing was such a big one now for you. I, I think because like I felt very um, self-conscious when I would talk to somebody and they would just like look at my face. Like I would worry oh, wow. like, are they staring at me because like there's something in my teeth? It's so weird now that I think about it. I get yeah. like real in my own head. The thoughts we of all kind of high do schoolers, that yeah. I mean, yes. that, that's just the way it is. Absolutely. I mean, man, if I, I really learned that lesson, I, I wish somebody told me about that whole mustard stain thing. In, <laughs> mustard stain. Oh, that's what I call it, the mustard stain theory of like how 
everybody's worried, like, thinks that there's a mustard stain on their shirt and walking around going, oh, my God, I got this stain. Like, Why I hope do you nobody... call it that theory? Because though. somebody else has told this story. Like, that's okay, what they, okay. this is like a thing. Like, okay. I didn't invent this, I think. And so it's like we're all walking around. I don't even like mustard or mayonnaise, <laughs> whatever. Um, and like walking around like, oh, God, I've got this stain on my shirt. And we're all concerned that everybody else is going to look at our stain. And we're staring at our own stain so much that we don't notice the other people walking around with mustard stains on their shirt. And that's yeah. like the whole point of like we all have a mustard stain on our shirt and everybody's worried about their own and nobody's looking at everybody else's. Yeah. We're all just concerned about our own shit. Yeah. We're all self-consumed. Yes. Yes. But let's hear something happy. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about this adorable story uh, about a penguin that – so we talked about the dog that traveled 100 miles to bite his owner because <laughs> yes. his owner – Abandon him. Yes. Well, this is much happier. This is a South American Magellan, Magell, Magellanic, M A G E L L A N I C. I would guess it's from like Magellan. I don't know. Isn't there like a Cape of Magellan or something like that? Oh, God. I don't know about that. I don't know. It's got to be a place. South American Magellan, Magellanic. That's a really hard word to say. Penguin. Whatever. This adorable little black and white penguin swims 5,000 miles to a beach in Brazil every single year to reunite with this man who saved his life once. Oh, come on. So this, isn't that the cutest? So this little penguin, five years ago, this little penguin got caught in the rocks on a beach and was covered in like oil and tar from the beach. And he was like not going to make it and not doing well. And so this 71-year-old retired bricklayer and part-time fisherman named Joao de Souza who lived in a little island village in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, we've, we've been there. I love that. Maybe yeah. we saw him. Um, he rescued the penguin and took him back to his house and rehabilitated him. And Aww. he, like, cleaned all of his feathers and got him all back to, you know, good health. And then he tried to release him into the wild. But this penguin, who he named Din Din, uh, <laughs> uh, already got, formed a bond with him and stayed there. And he ended up staying for 11 months the first year. And then, yeah, so he stays there for 11 months. And then he goes through his like molting process where he like sheds his feathers and changes his coat. And the, and Mm -hmm. Joao says, he stayed with me for 11 months. And then just after he changed his coat with new feathers, he disappeared. And he just left without, you know, without even saying goodbye. goodbye. And he went so out for a pack the, of cigarettes and never came back. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, now I could picture a little penguin <laughs> with this little flipper, like smoking a cigarette. Oh, right. he's probably like being bad with you under the bench at school. <laughs> I'm so sure. And he's wearing like little sunglasses. And you guys are just getting in trouble together. I love it. This penguin's oh, adorable. That's oh, din din. Um, so then, so so eight. So you know, time goes by and. You know, and Joao's like, man, I really miss that guy. And and people are saying like, oh, well, you're never going to see him again. Uh, except he came back to the exact same spot and hung out with him. And he comes back every single year. And for eight months, he spends his time, this little penguin, Dindin, pe- spends his time with Joao. And then he leaves. And then he goes and travels 5,000 miles to what they presume is uh, the coast of Argentina and Chile. And... Then he comes back, and he's done this for five years. That is so cute. Is that not the cutest? And I love I'm going to definitely put this article. I'm sending you all these articles to put in the thing. The picture of them together is just about the cutest darn thing you've ever seen. They're like besties. 
Yes. Oh my god, I'm gonna pull it up right now and show you because it's just. He like should get this. one of those baby Bjorns for him. <laughs> that him would around. be so stinking cute. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Well, you know what else is cute, cute Sarah? Bjorn. Yes, Rothies. <gasps> so cute. Oh my so god. So cute. The holidays mean celebrating with friends, having parties and all that stuff. And you want to be stylish, but you want to be comfortable all season long. And when like you're out shopping, running errands, doing all that, wear your Rothy's. They're stylish. They're sustainable, comfortable, yes. washable. I wash mine each week. They're white. And they, I keep, the, I for real keep waiting for them to expire and be they're like, that's enough. To. I know. Just so you know. They're indestructible and they still look new. I just love mine. I have the sneakers. And they make a great gift for your best girlfriend or your family. They make them for uh, kids too, little girls. And they have tons of styles. They put in new colors all the time. If you go to, um, you can check out all their amazing styles. They're on rothys.com slash brain candy. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash brain candy to get your new favorite flats in time for the holidays, comfort, style, and sustainability because they're made out of um, recycled plastic. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash brain candy today. I love like sustainable clothing and yes. shoes yes. and stuff. It makes me happy. Yes. You know what I'm else sorry makes me interrupted happy? You. Look, at, look at the cute picture. Let me the, see. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, my God. Come on. Isn't that cute? <gasps> that is beyond. Look, they're like, they're they're like, like smooching. Yes. And, the, and then oh, it's like sweetie. the most precious story. And I love that they like had a... Um, whoever wrote the article interviewed uh, a like what, like biologist and this guy Professor Krajowski or however you say his name and he said he's never seen or heard of anything like this before. Aww. I think the penguin believes that Joao is part of his family and probably a penguin as well. When he sees him, he wags his tail like a dog and honks with delight. <laughs> honks, that's so cute. Is that not the cutest thing? Yes. I love penguins. I do too. They're like the best, and they mate for life, and they're so stinking cute. They just and are. nobody send me any articles about penguins doing fucked up shit like murdering each other or like <laughs> you know like happened Did when I said do that to you? well I said otters were cute and somebody was like yeah they like eat their babies and they're really vicious and all this they stuff they are and, not but and then they hold hands when they sleep so and they, they have a pocket away. for their favorite rock yes did you see the little girl from Ellen talk about that no. Oh, that's how I learned about that. That little girl, Brielle, do you know who yeah, she yeah. is? Yeah. She's so cute, who like knows everything. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about her when we were talking about the episode about, um, mm-hmm. just last episode about like girls and boys, boys who are focused yeah. on something and girls who are. And she's like the one example I can think of, of like a little girl who we like allowed to be really, you know, like focused on that stuff. Yep. Yeah. And she loves it. And she's totally going to be like a biological anthropologist when she she's real up. charming too. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. She's like the cutest thing. That's like going to be my baby. I know. I can't wait till you have a baby. Oh my God. Me too. I have baby fever, but I'm old. And so that's probably not going to happen. But like, I think, well, Sarah will, and then I can help her with that baby. Oh my God. For sure. Yeah. That baby's going to be so stinking cute. No babysit. And you guys can go on date nights. I love this. I do too. It's really going to be fun. Cause then I'll get like all the good stuff and none of the garbage. Yeah, that's exactly what a uh, godparent you know, <laughs> right, right, is right. supposed to do. Yeah, Which that's you would be, duh. Yeah. <laughs> that on. kid's stuck with me, poor, poor child. No, lucky child. <clears throat> uh, you know who else is a lucky child? Who? This little boy named Joe Whale, whose parents uh, did a really good job of recognizing his talent and 
uh, encouraging it rather than punishing him for it. So this little boy uh, is nine years old. He lives in England, and he loves doodling. He loves art, and he Hmm. kept getting in trouble at school for doodling on the desk. And and first of all, because I was like thinking like, well, is he damaging property? But no, the desk has a built-in whiteboard in it. So he's allowed to write on it. He's just like, they want him to be doing other things and focusing on school. I hate dumb stuff like that. Me too. Well, his parents were like, "Mm, he's got a real talent here and we should definitely like, instead of, you know, punishing him for this, let's see if we can like channel this into something. So they put him in art classes and he loved it and so they they created a little instagram account for him and somehow like word got out that like this kid is a doodler and so a local restaurant contacted the family and they were like hey we'd like your son to do some art for our restaurant and so they were expecting that like to go to the restaurant there's like you know like a little piece of paper or whatever that he can do the art on they had him do the entire walls of the restaurant really and it, look at the picture. It, it He's good. And it's that cool. That is so cute. Isn't that cool? And he just looks like the future artist. Like, he just he got that. He draws like he's you like, do. I know, and I love it. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is that thing we were talking about where, like, the, if you get in trouble, for, if you're, yes. like, a kid who's doing something else at school, maybe we should, like, this little guy, he's not going to be sitting in an office doing a nine-to-five job. Don't bother. He, like, like encourage the art and, like, the things that come with that, like teach them like marketing strategies yeah. and like things where like, you know, the artist can then be successful in their business. Like, I just feel like. Yeah. You got to channel that crap. Yes. Now, and I, you have a kid <clears throat> who's so passionate about that. Could you imagine if like he had different parents and they were like, oh, you're <clears throat> in trouble. You're, and now he has, feels like shame around nope. the thing that he loves, which then makes him abandon his passion and then makes him like feel like this is all about like identity shit. And I can see what would happen if you did, if you like tried to, you know, stifle this or, or like. Years ago, I interviewed this couple who had a bunch of kids and they homeschooled all their kids and they wrote this book. Oh called, my God, I remember this. Yeah. You talking about this. This is great. They were called, they called, I think the book was called The Brainy Bunch. And all. Didn't they all end up going to like, yeah. cre- like PhD shit? Yeah. And so I was like to asking them how they did it, what was the tricks. And basically they did what Doodle Boy's parents are doing, um, where as soon as they could see what the kid was passionate about. Like once you teach them to read, then you can let them read whatever they want. Yes. So oh then, my god, I get goosebumps. Yeah, you can have them. Are they into video games? Okay, let's teach them how to make video games. Yes, and that's what they did. Oh, it's my very cool. God, I love this. Me too, because not all kids learn the same. They really don't. <laughs> I mean, my brother and I could not have been more different in how yeah, we learned. Right. It was like the same parenting did not work for two children. Right. And that's how yeah. you have to kind of remember. And that's the way school is not set up for that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not the teacher's fault. I mean, what are you supposed to do? But if you have a kid who needs to learn in a different way, you you either have to do it yourself or they have to adjust to the existing system. Yeah. Sometimes that's not great. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and in order to, you have to really think about like, oh man, just if, if you're just trying to like kind of get by and, you know, and I'm thinking oh, about right. like my mom. 
my mom here who's like, you know, divorced, got yeah, three single kids, mom. single mom, like working these crazy hours, like just trying to like Get survive. Like, yeah, you know, it just have to like when I go from just like doing therapy and like having my day like working as a therapist and then I come home and you know like you know I'll like call Ren and we'll talk or whatever like I'm still kind of in therapist mode and I have to there's like a moment where like I recognize like how I'm talking I'm like oh I need to hang on let me like turn off therapist mode yeah and I kind of have to create like a ritual for myself you know I used to have it when I worked at the uh clinic and then I on my way home I would like listen to a song and then I would do this thing where I like took my ring off and then I put it back on when I was in the driveway to like remind myself that like you're in wife mode yeah in therapist mode um because like nobody wants to come home to somebody who's like going to be their therapist and uh and I don't want to come home and do that and so like I, I haven't really, because you know I live alone. I haven't been been doing that so much. But I think in in thinking about that, I can think about a parent who has like a stressful job, or just like a regular job, or maybe works two jobs, or is just stressed <laughs> because of life, and having to be a parent, and then to come home and you're like in work mode where you've been dealing with adults, or maybe you like you know putting out fires at work or whatever, and then to have to like take that hat off and then put on a new hat for being a parent and then a different hat for each with each child, it would be really hard. Yeah, it's exhausting. And you have to be so intentional and it would take, it's like, so, you know, everybody's just doing the best they can and like I understand that. So, of course, if they are in a position where they can like have the, I don't know, like free space in their mind right. to kind of like yeah, parent that's in this a privilege. way. It's like a total privilege. But even just like providing the child with like the books or the things or activities that, you know, or just showing an interest in yeah. like that and encouraging that. Rather yeah, it than doesn't take like, much. Right. It really doesn't take much. Another um, thing that doesn't take much is shipping your stuff using stamps.com. Yeah, definitely do this. Definitely do this. I have because it's friend. the holiday seasons, and you do not want to go to the post office. You do let not. me tell you, you it's already not. started. It's crazy there. It is crazy, and so we, I've heard we all we all have a lot of stuff to ship over the holidays. So it's a perfect time to do the trial that we offer because you can see what it's like and why it's so beneficial. Because you save on postage, you can print out any package, class of mail, whatever you need, right from your desk. And then slap it on the package and put it in the mailbox and your mail carrier will pick it right up. It's so simple. And um, they have a deal for you on how to save time and money. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With our promo code Brain Candy, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Brain Candy. That's stamps.com and enter braincandystamps.com. Never go to the post office again. And we have a guest, Sarah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? I'm glad because I was like, oh, my God, I have some more art- like articles to talk to you about. But they're very, like, this is going to be a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> oh, no, okay. they're not okay. downers. But it's like we have to unpack this shit. Okay, so. yeah, we'll save those. Yes. Because I had the privilege of interviewing a woman named Alicia Menendez. And she wrote a book that I really loved called The Likeability Trap, How to Break Free and Succeed as You Are. Ooh. It's so good. Oh, this is good. This is the perfect book for our listeners because she mostly is talking about the ways that women cannot, like, they can't win. That we're either a bitch or we're a pushover or we're 
likable, but we're not seen as competent or we're seen as competent, but we don't, we're not likable. And so she describes all of the scholarship surrounding that, the ways that we're kind of screwed, but then she gives helpful advice on how to navigate the world, given that that's the case. It's really, really a great book, especially if you're in the workforce. I think it can be very helpful. It talks about like asking for raises and how that can, oh, good. you know, cause the lean in movement was sort of like, you know, just ask for raises. We're not right. asking for them. But then we found out statistically, we are asking for them. We're just being told no. Oh and so. Oh, gross. I didn't know that. Yeah. That we, we ask at Good the same know. rate as men, but we are denied <gasps> the raise. So she gives advice on how to confront your boss and handle that situation. It's just a really great book and very helpful if you're in that position. So I think you'll really enjoy it. And she is likable too. And so it was really fun to talk to her. Yay. So we'll welcome to the show Alicia Menendez. And you should read her book, The Likeability Trap. All right. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on Brain Candy. First of all, congratulations. You're awesome. Thank you, Susie. How, You're awesome. How does it feel to have a book out, man? It's terrifying. It's it's <laughs> it is is both one of the most challenging things I have ever done. Why? Um, because I I write a lot, and it's one thing to write um, a thousand word piece. I do a lot yeah. of those. And so in my mind, I was like, well, if I do one of those, it's just like, I do 60 of them, then it's a book. And it <laughs> turns out it's a lot harder because you actually have to have an argument and be consistent over the course of so many pages. And then, you know, if you're a person who cares about being liked, you're putting something out into the world about likability. And sort of the first thing on everyone's mind is like, well, do I like oh, this person? Oh my gosh. It's a case in point. Yeah. No pressure. Well, <laughs> do you feel some relief now? Now, though, that it's coming out and people can consume it and enjoy it? Or is it yeah, just I mean, stressful? No, I mean, writing is just such a singular yeah. act. And, you know, I have a podcast. I'm on television. I'm accustomed to having a back and forth as I work through ideas. And so to write something in such isolation, I'm yeah. excited to share it with people. And already I've started sharing it. And, you know, it's very validating to hear from women that, most, if not all of us have contended with these issues. Yeah. And I mean, it is something that we've all experienced, but I feel like you did such a great job of not only sort of preaching to the choir, but also providing context and then, you know, advice on how we might be able to work around this trap as it were. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you. congratulations. And I hope you feel like good about it because it's an amazing Thanks. book. I consider it essential reading now. Um, and I know our audience will love it. So first of all, obviously you've experienced the issues that you describe in the book, but what made you say, you know what, I'm going to actually compile it and describe it to an audience and share it. I got a great piece of advice from my book agent. And I think this is good advice for anyone who would ever think about writing a book, which is you said, you have to find something that you care so much about mm. that it can sustain your interests over the course of years, because mm. it takes a long time to write a book and then you're sharing the ideas and when I really got down to it, I realized that this ties into so much of my life. I care about being liked by my friends. I care about being liked by my coworkers. I care about being liked by my Lyft drivers. Like it does not <laughs> <Same>. have, <laughs> doesn't have limits. I mean, when I, when I see my rating, I'm like, I really hope that you enjoyed my company <laughs> as much as I enjoyed the safe right there. And so 
as much as I wanted to unpack this for myself, I also realized that there were other women who were having other experiences of it. And I wanted to collect those and really get to sort of why these questions of likability are in play, why they're so especially in focus for ambitious women who strive to lead and and assess whether the advice we've been given about how to navigate all of these questions is really serving us. Yeah, because you mentioned in the book that a lot of times we hear the refrain, well, who cares what people think? Just, you know, let it go, just care less. What is your response to that? I love that as an idea. And every time (laughs) I see one of those memes on Instagram, I am the first to double click it um, (laughs) and save it because I do need that inspiration in my life. And at the same time, well, I think that is really important advice and good advice as it relates to your friends and your lovers. I think it's a lot harder to put that advice into action in the workplace. Um, In the workplace, you know, people who are liked get placed on better teams. Yeah. They get raises. They, you know, they're they're all of these really substantial, substantive values to being liked. And so to say, well, just don't care, just go in and and do you. Well, that may be good for some people. And I think in the creative fields, there are people who benefit from that. But for like a lot of us who are just grinding it out in a nine to five, yeah, that's not really tenable. Well, um, and you kind of showed how a lot of these cliches that we all kind of adopt because they sound really nice are not exactly true in in um, in action. Like the phrase, it never hurts to ask. You showed yes. how sometimes it freaking does. It does hurt to ask. And I, and I, and I think, listen, I, if, if I were telling a woman, you know, whether or not she should negotiate a salary, like there are incredible that there are values to negotiating and, and all of this research that says there's a greater likelihood of, of you getting more money. And, you know, I want you to get more money, so go for it. But at the same time, it's, you're operating in a more complicated context. And the other thing that I find really problematic about the, like, just let it go, just do you ethos mm-hmm. is it becomes another thing for women to do, right? So if, you, if you're like me and you've spent 35 years caring about being well-liked and caring about how others think of you, even if you want to shift and adjust that and make it less of a focus, completely letting go of it is an actual thing you have to do. It's a mm-hmm. task or requires effort and energy. And I just feel like we have this laundry list of female self-improvement yeah. that we're all sort of waking up and contending with day after day. And I certainly wouldn't want to add another task to that list for mm-hmm. other women, right? Like whiten your teeth, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, use moisturizer skin. And on top of all of that, <laughs> learn to care less about being well-liked. Like I don't have the energy. Right. It sounds really simple, but it's quite a big task, isn't it? Right. Right. Well, and I loved you. I mean, there were so many things that you said that in the back of my mind, I had always realized, but you put words to it. When you described that idea of when people say, just be yourself, what they really mean is be more of what I expected. Dude, that yes. is so true. Right. And I think you do such an interesting job of offending that in the sense that, you know, we hear reality TV star, right? That was, <laughs> was what, like a, a year or two of your life? Like it, it can represent such a small fraction, but if that's how people 
know you. They had expectations predicated on that. Mm -hmm. We were all just more complex and more interesting than any one of those identifiers would lead people to believe. So, you know, very often what I heard from, from women was that they that they would be told just be yourself, but that there was already a preconceived notion of what that should be. So, (laughs) you know, so that, um, uh, for someone like myself who is Latina, that there was an expectation that I should show up at work every day, like in in hoops and wearing red lipstick, which is, if you want to do that, awesome. Good for you. Like, I want you to do you. Um, but is not my aesthetic. And there was some (laughs) sense that, that it ought to be. Um, and that I would make people more comfortable if I was being myself as they imagined me to be. Well, and that kind of leads to another thing that you talk about in the book, which is that you kind of can't win. So if you did show up wearing hoops and red lipstick, I bet there would be a price to pay in that department too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think when you step back and you look at it overall, this is the challenge for women, which is... Yeah. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And that has to do with, you know, being a high achiever and a high performer. It has to do with asking for things you need and for things you want. And it has to do with how you self-present at the office. So I call it the Goldilocks conundrum, right? We're all either too hot, too cold, (laughs) but none of us is just right. And even when I would find women who were getting, you know, were like, at that point where they were hitting that mark of strength and warmth and they commanded respect, but people really liked them. What I heard from them is I am performing this and I am straight up exhausted. So that there was still a price, even when someone was quote unquote, hitting all the marks. Mm -hmm. And when you're hearing all these stories and you're compiling them and then you included so many, um, studies as well, which I loved reading about, even though it was so depressing. Didn't you ever feel a bit depressed that I know, I know, I know. I mean, and that's, but I also think you can't solve the problem unless you really articulate the problem. And I think that something like likability sounds to us initially like something a 12 year old should care about, right? That by the time you're a grown woman, why would you be dealing with this? And why should we take Mm -hmm. it seriously? And why should we take it so seriously that someone would write an entire book about it? And what I really wanted to do was make it clear that there is an actual price Mm -hmm. in wages and promotions that women pay around these questions. And there's also this deep internal price, which is we we are socialized to care about what others think of us, to want to be well-liked. And then if you're an ambitious woman, you're constantly put in positions that force you to choose between this thing that you have been told you should value and this other thing that women like me and you value, which is our ambition. Mm -hmm. And constantly trying to make those choices where no matter what you choose, you're wrong, leaves us so discombobulated and turned around. And I feel like that when we've talked about the success and likability penalty, we've talked about it only in terms of measurable things like wages. And we haven't really talked about the fact that there's an internal price women pay for these competing demands. Yeah. And I, I'm sure, like I said to you before we started, I bet everyone's nodding because we all have been there and felt it. Um, In the book, I should have asked you this earlier, but how do you define likability? In fact, you kind of separate it from popularity, which I think was so insightful that you did that. Well, that idea belongs to Mitch Prinstein. He wrote a book called Popular that really helped shape some of my thinking about that. Mm -hmm. So I tip my hat to him. But, you know, 
popularity is about status and likability is about how people actually feel about us. And it's really hard to define, which part was part of the challenge of, of talking about it, because what is likable to me might not be likable to you. There may even be qualities that I enjoy about someone in certain contexts that I don't particularly like at work. And and one of the things that I wanted to get at is that I do think sometimes we all downshift into talking about how much we do or don't like someone without really being critical in our thinking about why that is and what we mean when we say that. So for example, I am not a confrontational person. Um, And so I very often find it very challenging to be on a team or work with people who are very, very comfortable with confrontation. Hmm. So it'd be easy for me to say, Jim or Julie, like, I don't like them. When really part of what I'm saying is they're very comfortable with confrontation. That is not (laughs) comfortable for me. And, And the irony there is teams need to be built with built with people of very different Mm. styles, right? Like it's actually very functional and good sometimes for me to be on a team with someone who's comfortable with confrontation (laughs) because there are, there are instances at work where you need someone who's going to be direct with a client, be direct with a manager. And so for me to be with someone who is comfortable doing that can be an asset to me in the right context. Do you think that your aversion to confrontation relates to your desire for likability? Yes, but can I tell you something really interesting? I took a um, a management assessment a few years ago, and one of the things that came back that really resonated with me was that I am very comfortable with confrontation when it is me confronting someone who is in power, Ooh. and I am less comfortable with confrontation when it is someone lateral to me or yeah. someone who works for me. Um, and and I think that there are probably a lot of people who feel similarly that when I feel the mm-hmm. person is sort of strong enough, or you know, or I'm even confronting them on others' behalf, I feel empowered to do it. Where when it's more of a peer-to-peer relationship um, or someone who I know in a structure I have some power over, I feel more sensitive about it because I do... I I do see how likability plays out in really important ways when you're working with people in that way. Oh my gosh, I think that makes you even more likable though because you're not a bully. You're not just confronting the poor vulnerable people below you in the hierarchy that's a good thing right Susie I was Susie I was basically begging you to say that so thank you thank you so much I mean there's there's this other piece that I write about in the book that I would love to ask you about which is just you've been a public person you are a public person and I think part of what makes this moment so different is that you know there's there's work as we've always imagined it and then there with the rise of social media are just so many more of us who are living public lives. Yeah. And, and that means that there are a lot more people who are contending with this question of not just how to be likable, you know, to the person in the cubicle next to you, but how to be likable to your 40,000 Twitter followers yeah. or, you know, and, and I wonder if you feel that pressure to be likable, not as you, who you are, Susie, but as Susie, the public person. Yeah. Although I feel like, and my co-host Sarah will probably agree with me that because we were on reality TV for so long and for so many seasons that it's almost become embedded within us that we're this persona. So social media kind of almost felt like an extension of that. And this podcast kind of feels like an extension of that. So in a way I kind of feel like we're 
now able to use it to our advantage. We can produce ourselves. We're not at the mercy of an editor. So that yes. kind of feels empowering. But I, I mean, you know, social media, brutal. You get it. it. It It is brutal. And I think that we don't, I will speak for myself. I feel like I dove into social media without, because it felt like a professional necessity yes. without enough care and thought for how private yeah. of a person am I really? <laughs> what is it that I'm willing to share? And, and to be really honest with myself about the fact that I am very sensitive to feedback. Mm. And so, so that endless loop where, you know, people are commenting on your ideas, which can be really interesting and you can have dynamic discussions with people, but can also just be really terrible where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're missing each other and you're not really communicating with one another. It feels like you're just being yelled at in some cases. Um, I didn't do a good enough assessment of whether or not that was something that I wanted to spend my time and energy on. And I think that there are a lot of people who feel the same way, right? There's a certain pressure to be a public person and some understanding that to be a public person requires an Instagram account, a Twitter account, and a Facebook account, and that you need to be firing on all cylinders at all time, which complicates the likability question. Your experience sounded so much worse though than I have had where you would you did your show and then like they would say, "Oh, people don't like when you wear red or people don't like whatever." <laughs> that would make me crazy. Didn't you yeah. feel like you needed therapy after that? Yes. So and so instead <laughs> I got life coaching, which I write about in the book and I'm a big proponent of life coaching, but <laughs> but that but that also goes back to a person who had a more formulated sense of self would have been less knocked around by that feedback. Mm. Part of the reason that I felt so disjointed by that was that I wasn't really clear about who I was, what my priorities were, how I wanted to self-present. Because if I had been, then I could say, thank you very much for that feedback. I will take it into consideration. And then I could have ignored it. Um, where my people pleasing, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd come in on Monday and you'd be like, oh, you want me to wear a center part? Okay. <laughs> like, come in on, on Thursday and they change their mind that they want it to be. And, and, I, and that's not unique to me. And it's not unique to anywhere I have worked. You know, the, when you are a person who is um, in a public capacity, you receive that feedback, feedback loop. I mean, I would say that all of the women who are running for president right now probably yes. get constant feedback about what they chose to wear on the debate stage and their voice and their hair. And, um, and so much of it goes back to how your ability to hear that and say, thank you very much. And then go about your business. When you've been watching the campaign, have you seen any, um, shift at all, any progress being made, or do you think it's the same old questions being asked of the women? I think there is some shift. Whether or not it's progress, I think, is a different question. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very interesting that Senator Kamala Harris um, always refers to the president of the United States as a woman. I think there is an acknowledgement there that um, you can't be what you can't see. And so she has a greater chance of um, convincing people to vote for her if they start mm -hmm. when they are imagining the person in power, the person leading this country to be a woman. I think you hear less about likability and a little bit more about its second cousins, authenticity and electability. <laughs> I think in some ways those are still codes for talking about likability. Yeah. Um, because when you talk about women candidates, you say, I just don't know if she can win. Well, we've never had a woman run. 
uh, and win. So, so that that's an easy thing to say and to easily uh, affirm. Um, but it also it cuts off the possibility that that it's still possible. Um, so yeah, I think things have shifted. I also think it is helpful to the women in the race, to uh, minorities in the race, yeah. that there is such a large and diverse set of candidates um, because no single person then is carrying those questions on their own. Yeah, I'm definitely encouraged by that, but I do think we have a long way to go. And in that sort of vein, when I'm reading your book and we're, we're seeing a little bit of bad news, like this, this study shows this about women and men in the workplace, et cetera, is there, what is one thing that people can do to sort of begin to take control and over this like ability trap and maybe what's some ways that they can counteract it? So I think that there are two different ways to approach it. One of the things I love is that I wanted to empower women to stop having this sort of gut, like, well, what do I need to do to fix myself? Mm -hmm. And every time I've been in a room with women where I've argued that we need to shift towards cultural change rather yes. than changing ourselves, everyone nods very enthusiastically. <laughs> and then right. inevitably a woman raises her hand and is like, okay, but I've been told I'm too aggressive at work. So what should I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I totally get because you do, that's, that's the conundrum, right? You have to still go in and do your job and navigate through all of this. Um, so that's still critically important. So the things I would say that we can do for ourselves, one of the best pieces of feedback I heard from um, an executive coach named Katerina Costula is that she suggests that when you are in a, a feedback session or a review and someone says, you know, Susie, you're really great. Um, but we just feel like you're not assertive enough mm -hmm. uh, that you can ask compared to who mm -hmm. that that asking the reviewer to sort of address their own bias in a very subtle way yes, um, can it. sometimes be helpful. And that uh, and that a secondary element of that would be asking that person to connect the way they perceive your behavior, your demeanor to the actual outcomes of your work. Now, there may be great feedback there, right? They may yeah. say, Susie, you weren't assertive enough with the people that you manage and your project was delivered a week and a half late. Yeah. Okay, that's probably a fair piece of feedback. But if they can't really tell you why mm. the way you are impacts your work, then that feedback isn't particularly good. So that's one thing that you can do that I think can be can be really helpful. And I think it's even more helpful, though, and this is the way we have to start thinking about this, when you hear it said about someone else. So yeah. that if I'm, you know, standing next to a colleague and we're talking about a third colleague and they say, you know, Jenny is just really emotional that I can say, you mean she's really passionate, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Catalyst, which is this organization that does all of this work and research around women at work, they have um, something called Flip the Script. They have um, an entire campaign about addressing bias. And those words you use matter. The words you use matter. And, and when you hear other people using them, calling them out, right? Even something that feels innocuous. Like if I yeah. say, you know, um, you know, Chrissy is really helpful. Okay, that may be meant as a compliment, but what it does is it 
makes Chrissy only a helper, mm. right? It means Chrissy doesn't have agency. Chrissy doesn't have leadership potential. Chrissy is the person who's always given the helper assignments. Where What is more beneficial when you're talking about Chrissy is to say, yeah, you know, Chrissy contributed all of the numbers to our end of the year report, mm-hmm. right? To actually make it material instead of making it simply about her character. I love this. I love, that's the thing that I loved the most about your book. It's so precise and so helpful. And what you just described is about precision and having people not be vague and saying, what do you mean specifically? I love it. I'm so inspired by you. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for all this positive feedback. You know that I will take it. Okay. One more thing before you go, we ask everybody, which is, um, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? If you have a car? Okay, this is an amazing question because I am currently in my car because my (laughs) husband and I both work from home and he is on a conference call and he is the sweetest but loudest Leo in the world. Um, (laughs) The trunk of my car currently has a stroller in it. It has um, wipes because we are in the middle of potty training, so that's an essential, (laughs) and some changes of clothes um, and a... um, a big dry cleaning bag that yes. one day we'll get to the dry cleaner. <laughs> this is awesome. Our theory is that it shows where you are in your life. And I'd have to say that that yes. trunk is <laughs> yes, evidence that's to that. so true. Oh my goodness. I oh, now I'm going to ask everybody that. <laughs> you would be surprised what people keep in their trunk, girl. So enjoy. <laughs> enjoy the results of that question. Cheers. Thank you it. so much. You're off the hook. I can't wait for Thank everyone you, to Susie. read like Ability Trap and keep writing and being a badass. You're amazing. You. Thank you so much, Susie. <laughs> Have a great day, Alicia. You too. Thank Bye. you. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.